How can bicyclists minimize their injuries and maximize performance and safety with the proper equipment? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the ReachMD Clinician's Roundtable, this special segment focused on sports medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Sherwin Ho from the University of Chicago, and joining me today is Dr. William Bryan, an orthopedic surgeon at the Baylor College of Medicine. He has practiced joint replacement surgery and sports medicine in the world-renowned Texas Medical Center for over 25 years. Over the course of his career, Dr. Bryan has served as team physician for the Houston Astros and the U.S. cycling team. Bill, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Sharon. Thank you so much. Bill, I know you're an avid and competitive cycler yourself and have taken care of the U.S. cycling team and been the Olympic uh, team physician for the U.S. cycling team. So we want to pick your brain a little bit today about uh, some of the injuries that our audience might see in their competitive cycling patient population. Well, yeah, and that's clearly on our mind here in Houston. We, like many cities, have big charity rides, and here we have the MS-150, a ride from Houston to Austin every spring, 14,000 people. Uh, An event that's like open on October the 1st, and I think by October the 20th, they closed it out. And getting ready for that ride, they're, they're just big, citizen rides every weekend in and around Houston. So sort of a spike of issues and problems uh, as we move from Christmas through that event in in late April. Those of us up north, we start to see the cycling injuries about now. Spring is when guys get their bikes out and start training. You know, they're in their basements on their wind trainers, but now is when they get out on the road and when they start showing up in your office. What are some of the things that are going to be showing up in your office as you lead up to one of these big uh, biking events? Well, I think the, the the problems we see in the younger people, in younger people, we see people complaining of wrist pain and so-called carpal tunnel syndrome. You see people with a lot of knee problems. And this is a sport where you're intimately locked to your equipment. I mean, when you play baseball, you wear a glove. And when you, when you play football, you may wear pads and a helmet. But in bicycling, it's you dash machine. It's not you and machine. And it's so important, you know, to be properly fit, which is somewhat subtle. You can probably ride any old bike for 30 minutes, but when you start talking about being married to that machine for hours at a time, it has to fit. So people come in and say, well, you know, my wrists are hurting, much like, well, my my feet are hurting. Well, the reason your feet are hurting is your shoes aren't fitting right. You got to get new shoes. And Although I'm not a bike fitter, people don't bring their bikes into my clinic, uh, I'm often saying, look, you've got to go back to the shop, and they've got to see you on the machine, uh, watch you ride it. That is so important. I know you yourself are an avid cycler and do a lot of riding through the course of the season. How did you get yourself set up or fit for your bike? Well, the shops all understand, you know, first of all, the frame size. And, you know, in general, you should stand over your frame in your stocking feet. And as you stand over your frame, it should be at least a centimeter or more between the top of that frame and your crotch. I mean, if it's less or more, you're probably off to a bad start. And then there are things about how the handlebars are set up and the saddle position. Bike shops understand this and, and can help you. So the first thing is to find a good bike shop. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you you get what you pay for, too, like everything else. And that's why there you know, are $300 bicycles and there's $10,000 bicycles, I think. For the person that's an entry level, you can expect to spend $1,000 to get started with equipment that, that's going to be durable and it's the right size for you. And that's important because, I mean, shops may only have a limited number of bicycles and you got to be careful not to have one sold to you that isn't proper. 
I can see shoot salesman analogies coming along here a lot. So, so proper fitting of the bike. Let's talk a little bit about the safety aspects and safety equipment. Uh, when a parent takes their competitive teenage uh, cyclist into the shop, he wants to get into cycling. Besides getting fit for the proper type of bike for his racing, what other pieces of equipment are important from your point of view? You know, helmets are pretty well standardized. Uh, here in Texas, they're, they're mandatory. That's a good thing. No one should ride without a helmet, no matter what their age, for goodness sakes. There are bugs out there. There are things that may not cause damage to your eye, but they'll distract you. And this is a sport where you cannot be distracted. Your attention's got to be there all the time, which becomes sort of second-handed and is a lot of fun. Good eyewear. Talk about uh, jerseys and clothes. You, know, you want to have non-cotton clothing that wicks away the moisture. You want it to be comfortable. You want to be able to zip it up or down to you know, help with uh, heat control. Gloves are important, not so much to prevent these things like carpal tunnel because that's more bike fit. But rather, if you do fall, if you have the misfortune of falling, you want something to pad your hands. And then I'd, I'd say it's both safety and efficiency are, are shoes that clip in. You know, we used to see a lot of lateral knee pain syndromes. And then in the 1980s, these sort of, you know, ski boat pop pedals into the clips came along. And those are pretty much eliminate a lot of the lateral knee pain because it lets the foot roll and slide. So initially, you may be intimidated by those. And you have to practice getting in and out of those clipless pedals, as they're called. But they're well worth the money spent. Uh, They do add to safety. They do decrease the chance of repetitive injury to the knee. If you're just joining us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Sherwin Ho, and I'm speaking with Dr. William Bryan, orthopedic surgeon at the Texas Medical Center. We're discussing the types of physical injuries incurred by professional and competitive cyclists. Let's continue on with our discussion of common injuries. Now, this carpal tunnel syndrome... A lot of cyclists will come in with this particular problem. What's your recommendation and how do you manage that in season when they're in the middle of their competitive cycling season? Well, once in a while, you've got to look at bike fit and we've got to look at the handlebar height, the seat height. You want riders to ride with their elbows flexed slightly. If you notice that you ride with your elbows perfectly straight, then you're transferring a lot of force down to your wrist, and that's probably not the best form. Gloves that are padded are somewhat helpful, but if you want to think that that's the centerpiece of taking care of the problem, you're probably incorrect, but that will help somewhat. The other is as you ride, you just got to bring your arm out and, you know, put it behind your back and get the circulation uh, back into your hand, and you'll see guys do that, you know, every, every three or four minutes, they'll take the hand off the handlebars, and that's usually effective. Well, because even with a properly fit handlebar, properly fit bike, proper gloves, you can still get it. Yeah, you really can. Going back to the bike, it depends on the distribution of weight over that bicycle. And if it's set up wrong, then you're putting too much weight out over the front wheel, therefore on your wrists and your shoulders. And so you've got to get reset to get more of that weight distributed to the back. Any uh, comments or preferences on handlebar types? I know they have you know, the standard wide grip, and then they have these close-grip handlebars that you see a lot of the racers using. No, I think it's uh, an individual... Uh, I would say something about safety. A lot of people have aero bars on their bikes, but you got to remember they're not doing a thing for you until you're probably going at least 24, 25 miles an hour. <laughs> so if you're a beginning cyclist or the person that's out there just wandering around at you know 18 to 20 miles an hour, aero bars aren't going to help you, and they're considered very dangerous. 
in U.S. cycling racing, they're they're forbidden because in a pack in a peloton, you can't respond as quickly to your brakes. Ah, so those are really best left for the most serious uh, competitive cyclers, and even in that category, uh, there's some danger to those. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the overuse uh, type injuries uh, we want to avoid. How about heat injuries? Well, you know, it's been said many times, hydrate or die. You know, there's just no excuse in cycling because between your water bottles and the hydration units you can carry on your back, you should stay ahead of the game. And you got to be drinking a lot. I mean, down here, we can barely keep up. You know, your stomach will only absorb so much, so you, you, you can depend on getting dehydrated. But if you're not taking in, you know, a quart every hour, you're behind. And the best cyclists, you'll see them before they even start the ride, they've gone ahead and put down... A pint of some, you know, sports drink, which does have some glucose and have electrolytes to keep that fluid in your system. And you drink constantly because we all know if you wait until you're thirsty, it's too late. What's the problem with that? I mean, if you get 3% dehydrated, your efficiency on a bicycle goes down 10%. 10%, and that's enough to drop you off the back. <laughs> that's one. You know, you don't get dropped off the back in golf or, or playing a basketball game. You get dropped off the back in bicycling. See you later. 15 miles from your house, it's a bad feeling. <laughs> so uh, keep up and stay ahead of the game in terms of hydration. Uh, and, so, and most of your training rides are about how long, Bill? Well, we're flat down here, so we can go forever. I and mean, we go, you know, two to four hours. So you've got to carry, you know, a fair amount of fluids with you. Well, I have a huge hydration system I'll carry on my back, and then I'll carry sports drinks in my water bottle, so that's usually enough energy. I mean, you need glucose. You're burning sugar, and that's what you need for, for energy. All right, let's talk a little bit more about equipment. How about seats? I see a lot of seat issues and you know groin injuries. Any general recommendations? Uh, what's the latest in seat comfort on for the serious cycler? You know, there it's almost like shoes. I mean, one pair of shoes that fits me is not going to fit you, and you just have to, to play around with that, just much like you would with your running shoes or any other sports equipment. You know, don't feel that because you bought that one saddle, that's the one you've got to stay with. Human anatomy is different. They have saddle fitting systems in many stores, and just talking to the customer and looking at your anatomy, they can help you in that regard. I think the uh, reports of, you know, impotence were way overstated. I think the media sort of pushed that with a Boston urologist. But there is that problem. When you have riders that are riding more than, you know, five, eight, ten thousand 10,000 miles a year, you can have some permanent nerve damage. I think the advice is you, you should perceive that coming on, and, and you should <laughs> take evasive action. You're either going to set up the bike differently so the pressures are, are different. You're going to go to a different saddle with a different configuration. And that's more important probably than gels and, and soft saddles. You know, most people that begin to cycle look at the racers and realize that their saddles are just hard as rocks and they can't understand it. But those are actually more friendly to the anatomy because you're not sliding around as much on those saddles as you would with a gel saddle. And friction is as much an enemy as is pressure. So getting fit again is probably the key in avoiding groin injuries uh, with cycling. you got to stay clean. That sounds silly, but... There, there are a lot of gels and goos that cyclists use, and um, uh, but they're very important. They cut down on the friction. Many of those are antibacterial, you know, particularly in women. I mean, they have to be a bit more careful than men about about infections. And you, know, you get out of those shorts the minute the ride's over. You know, just take a towel to wrap around you and get out of those shorts at your car. 
you just don't want to stay in because once you develop <clears throat> friction-related injuries, you're going to be off the bike for a long time. So it may sound simple, but hygiene's important in avoiding those types of injuries. Yeah, very much. I mean, all sports clothing has to be clean. You know, we've had an epidemic of staph infections in our football players and hockey, and, and certainly cycling's not removed from that. You just got to stay clean. Thank you, Dr. Brian, for being our guest. We have been discussing the prevention of biking injuries. I am Dr. Sherwin Ho. You have been listening to a special segment focused on sports medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with the promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. You can also reach us by phone with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. That's 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening.